It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Quickly to wall. Wall, measure, deal, gets open for three. Hey guys, what's up? Uh, thanks for checking out the Locked On Wizard Show, uh, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team. Every day. Emergency pod again, second one in two days. Um, I am the host once again, Ian Evans, and I'm joined today by one of my co-hosts, Arthur Renault. Uh, how's it going, Arthur? What's up, man? I'm doing a lot better than yesterday. Um, I feel like I would have echoed your same thoughts on yesterday's podcast with Becca about the disaster that was the Wizards offseason up until today. Yeah, uh, I still think, you know, it's interesting because kind of two big signings happened. Big signings, air quotes, big signings for Wizards fans. Um, I don't want to pretend like the Wizards just shook the NBA world. They, <laughs> they signed, this is, this, is, this is where we're at. Like the other teams are signing DeMarcus Cousins and waiting to get a trade for Kawhi Leonard and Wizards fans are sitting here, sitting on their hands going, we did it, we got Dwight Howard, <laughs> we got Jeff Green. But uh, definitely, so here's the thing. It's like a two-sided, it's like a double-edged blade. When you look at this signing, these signings today, it's totally uninspiring. I, it, I mean, it kind of moves a needle. Like I, I think it's, especially with Dwight Howard, Every fan base that signed him over the last like four years, every time they're fooled into thinking like, oh well, maybe this will be the year where he gets back to just being a dominant center. And I, I think the reality is we need we have to realize it's not going to happen. So it's kind of a lame. I mean, and Jeff Green, we kind of know what we're going to get from Jeff Green. He's going to tick us off. He's going to be a little frustrating sometimes, but he's also a decent piece coming off the bench for depth, a la the Austin Rivers move. But with all this being said, and I want your take on this, Arthur, just straight away from the jump, you can't argue that this roster that's going into this season right now isn't already way, way better and far improved over the roster from last season because it is 
Yeah, I would. I, I'm feeling the same way. I would actually go out of line and say that this might be the best bench on paper that the Wizards have been able to put together. I want to say in Ernie's entire tenure, mainly because there's always been like some nice pieces, like some some like really good, reliable pieces that you can rely on on the bench, but never has there been depth. And I think. And I feel like this happens a lot, like when, you know, we get the Al Thorntons of the world and all that stuff. We convince ourselves that, oh, this is so much better. I just think we might not exactly be a lot better, but if you're telling me you're going to get to play Austin Rivers instead of Jody Meeks and Tim Frazier, if you're going to get to play Thomas Sadoransky consistently instead of Tim Frazier or Eric Maynard or any of the terrible backup point guards we've had, and then if you're looking at the center position with the departure of Gortat and the acquisition of Dwight Howard, you're getting what you have missed basically for Wall's entire time here, which is an athletic center that can dominate on the glass and defensively in the paint. Yeah. This team, bench-wise, depth-wise, is there. Yeah. And we'll get into what it can mean for like the roster as a whole. But I think this might be the best bench that we have ever assembled because there are pieces that are young, that have potential, in Austin Rivers, Kelly Oubre, Thomas Sadoransky. There are pieces that, you know, could contribute on a given night like Jeff Green and we don't know what to expect from Troy Brown and then we have Dwight Howard who I'm hoping we play more small ball but Dwight Howard as a starter getting those same looks those same lobs those same spoon feeds from John Wall and I'll say this from Bradley Beal as well this is a better team by far yeah, I agree. Um, it's interesting to think about too, as far as the Dwight Howard move goes. A lot of a lot of very smart, um, a lot of very smart people, very smart NBA journalists, um, NBA analysts are uh, probably as they should be. It's like a it's a kind of like a joke, right? They're like, "Oh, this is going to be fantastic! The Wizards are signing Dwight Howard. Like, can't wait to watch this." <laughs> You know, I can't wait to see what's going to happen this season. Uh, but I I think when you look at, like you said, you brought up such a good point. John Wall, for a long time, and and I, none of us, I don't think any of us, even people who are really fed up with Marcin Gortat right before the departure, I don't think any of us discounted the value that Gortat gave you for a very long time, specifically on the offensive side of things, when he was, he had really good hands. He was a great finisher, not powerful finisher, but just good. Like he knew angles. He knew how to lay it off the glass and he would get there quickly. Like he was never explosive, but he was always a quick, fluid, agile athlete. And he always took care of his body. We don't discount that. It's just that when you're looking at the way that John Wall, like you said, Arthur, would just spoon feed Marcin Gortat. He'd make it he'd make his life so easy. He'd make his job and his role on the court on offense so easy. And so many times it didn't like it didn't matter. Martin Gortat would just burn John Wall 
He would get blocked at the rim by someone much smaller than him. He would miss layups. He'd miss multiple layups, sometimes completely wide open. And I think when you take Dwight Howard and you swap him in place of Marcin Gortat, you all of a sudden have a center where those spoon-fed passes right under the basket are going to be emphatic dunks immediately or just or or layups that are converted he's a lob target not like Marcin Gortat was where he would kind of catch it and then try to tip it in or try to lay it in he's a lob target that's going to again just dunk the basketball and also you mentioned rebounding Dwight Howard if there's still one elite skill that he has at this point in his career it's he's a load on the offensive glass. He gets you so many second chance opportunities and defend on the defensive glass too. He's still a really good rebounder. He's still really powerful. He's built like a tank and he boxes people out. He just clears people out of the paint. What you don't add at all is anything on the defensive. I mean, I guess he's a better shot blocker. I don't know. I haven't really looked at the stats. I know Martin Gortat was kind of hated on as a defender, but he was actually like okay, like he was solid. But I don't know. I know Dwight Howard's probably a better shot blocker in the paint, but anywhere outside of the paint, you know, I'm a he hurts you like on a switch out on the perimeter onto a smaller player. He hurts you. He hurts you just as much as Marcin Gortat did. So you don't really hurts you, but at the same time, uh, yeah, I mean you're absolutely right. Like it Getting Dwight Howard has a lot of benefits, but also a lot of repercussions. Because at the same time, he's not going to be able to guard on the perimeter. So the switches is where you know he's going to get exposed. But we're going to have that problem anyway. We've had that problem with Hortat and Mahimi. The difference is on the offensive end, on the rebounding end, like you mentioned, his elite skill set. I just think with Dwight Howard... There's going to be, how many times have you and I tweeted, and I know I've tweeted it a lot, and I'm pretty sure you have too. How many times have we mentioned nobody fears going into the paint against the Wizards? Nobody. Every player, Ben Simmons, LeBron, any tiny point guard, looks at the defense and looks at the paint like, oh, there's nothing there that can stop me. Let me go ahead. But now you have a threat. Now you have Dwight Howard, who is who has a reputation, who has the ability to alter shots, to block shots, a big body to take care of when it comes to rebounding. So even though we're still going to get wrecked when it comes to switches and Dwight Howard's not going to be able to keep up with some of these younger talents, he's physical. He can defend the paint. He's almost like Nene and Gortat if they like fuse together, I feel like. That, that's what Dwight Howard is. Yeah. Obviously, this is all from a casual Dwight Howard spectator, but on paper, that's what I feel like we got with Howard. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's interesting because I'm with you. I like as a as someone who watched. I've always been a huge fan of Dwight Howard. He was one of my favorite players when I was younger because um, he was so much fun to watch on the Magic. It was he was like when he started his career, he was like the second coming of Shaquille O'Neal. You know, it was it was just power dunks and running in transition and blocking everything and grabbing every rebound. As a casual, like, Dwight Howard onlooker, 
I see a lot of the good stuff from him. But people who watch him uh, and got a chance to watch him regularly over the years, I guess, uh, like someone I, fo- I followed closely on Twitter for a while, um, our friend from Locked On Hawks, um, Brad Rowland, he was just, he thought the signing as it happened. And, it, and as, as we're recording this, guys, it, the signing happened literally right before I started recording. So it's fresh off the press. But he was, Brad was like cackling, you know, like if there's an equivalent of internet cackling, that's what, that's what Brad Rowland was doing. He thought it was hilarious. He like, he was, I just picture the, you know, from the Simpsons, Mr. Smithers, he's like tapping his fingers together and he's like, yes, I can't wait to watch this unfold. And, and, you know, and Dwight was bad in Atlanta. Let's, let's, if you look at the teams that he played on, he was amazing in Orlando. He left to go play for LA and he was bad. He left to go play for Houston and he did not fit what they were doing at all and he was bad. And now like last when he played on the Hornets, I didn't see like it kind of felt like it was an up year for him. He looked like he was solid. Specific I mean, especially when he played us. He killed us every time we played him last year. The Hornets yeah. I think it has to do more with like the locker room issues with Howard and Charlotte, but at the same time you can't compare Charlotte to D.C. And the quality of players he's going to have around him, it's day and night. I mean, I'm sorry, but, like, playing with Kemba Walker versus playing with John Wall, like, that's that's a huge upgrade. And he's got to be pretty excited, too. There has to be a reason he chose us. I mean... Yeah, he, was in, he said he was interested in the Wizards. Right, and that has to do with a pass first point guard that... You know, gets his uh, his big men fed, spoon feeds them. He's looking at that like, oh man, I don't need to do back to the basket. I don't need to fight for some offense. I'm just going to do a pick and roll with one of the best pass first point point guards in the NBA, and just maybe average 24 a night, maybe average 20 a night. And oh look, they have Bradley Beal. They have a player that can create offhand, and they have Thomas Sadoransky. Like, there's, there's so many options here for Howard to recreate himself. As long as he's committed mentally, this could be a really good sign. Yeah, and I, I mean, to close on Dwight, because we're going to get into – I want to talk about Jeff Green here too, but I think when it comes to the fit with him and John Wall, I think it's going to be something that John Wall – he like Wall has been missing that type of player – on any roster he's had for his entire career. The last player that he had where he kind of had the tool set and like the ability to manipulate a pick and roll and lob it at the rim was JaVale McGee. And that was forever. NBA champion. Oh, oh dear God. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I can't believe he's on the Lakers. What are you doing, Magic? What is Magic doing? <laughs> he's hey, making... Man, I wish Scott Brooks was the coach when we had McGee. I bet things would have ended differently. I I don't know if that's true, but I guess we'll never know. know. I guess we'll never know. I just it's fine, it's, it's, it's cool. they're building. It's like they're they're building the Suicide Squad out in L.A. I don't really see what they're trying to do with LeBron, but anyway, um, I'm I'm excited about the Dwight signing. Part of that is just because there wasn't really you know many options left. All the guys. Arthur, that me and you and Becca 
and a lot of Wizards fans wanted were already gone. Uh, they chose other teams. They decided to play elsewhere. So this is kind of what was left. And of the centers left, especially to fill a starting role, he was by far the best one. And I, I was talking with Mike Prada on Twitter earlier, and he is he hates the move. And uh, I don't know, man. We're going to have to see because I, re- I disagree with some people. I do see value in this move. I really do. And I think, again, not to harp too much on what you said, but replacing every missed layup and every missed lob and every getting blocked by a smaller player that happened with Marcin Gortat over the last two seasons or so, and just all the missed, the missed rebounds, just everything on a player who's just declined heavily, you get someone who's so much stronger and bigger and a better leaper and a better athlete and a better finisher and a better rebounder and a better shot blocker and a better lob target. It's still a massive improvement. Like, it just is. So, I don't know. I'm, I like the move for the MLE. I think it's a fair deal for Dwight. And I also like the other move the Wizards made. Let's pause for a moment. We're going to take a quick break. And on the other side, uh, we'll, we'll hit all the talking points about Jeff Green, former, former Hoya, coming back to D.C. Be right back. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for checking out the Locked On Wizard Show, guys. Don't forget to check out our Locked On NBA show. It's Monday through Friday. The best guests, the best insight. And it doesn't matter who your favorite team is, you can always find what team you love to listen to as well. Just go into a search engine, type in Locked On whatever team, and you can find it. There's always going to be something about your favorite team that you can listen to. So keep it locked in on the Locked On NBA Network. Arthur, we need to talk about the other signing that just happened. Jeff Green happened earlier today. Um, I got to process some stuff on Jeff Green. I want to hear what you think about him. I would have much rather kept Mike Scott, but that's mainly because I know what we're getting with Mike Scott. Um, Jeff Green, um, I don't know. For me, it brings somebody that, has potential, has had spurts here and there, and just, I don't know, it's just like such a Wizards player, but <laughs> at the same time, he brings some value, it, it's just, for for Jeff Green, it's a depth, it's a depth thing, like, we're not going to rely on him to be a starter, he's not going to play more than 30 minutes, hopefully, I mean, I say hopefully, because you never know what Scott Brooks is going to do with certain players, but to me, it just gives the Wizards more versatility. Again, exactly. we mentioned with Troy Brown, like, oh my God, why the hell did we get Troy Brown? We got Troy Brown because that's a stepping stone. It's a project into positionless basketball. It's a player that 
can handle the ball, that's tall, has defensive potential. If he adds a three-point shot, he's a, like a prototype 3-and-D ball handler. Like, there aren't many of those type of players in the NBA right now. No, man, not a 3-and-D ball handler. That would be – that would like that would, if, he, if he gets the three-point shot, Troy Brown ultimately turns into an all-star. But, uh, right, exactly. Yeah. And I, I think Troy Brown – I unfortunately don't see him playing that much this year which really sucks because i would have loved to have seen him like get some minutes summer league we dude know, we gotta we gotta get amped up for summer league <laughs> yeah exactly that we I, that's why i'm looking forward to it. troy brown and maybe bryant is he gonna play on the thomas summer league? bryant maybe i don't know yeah, he's an interesting possibly. prospect i don't know too, i've but... seen some highlights he's already better than young Mahimi. like <laughs> again upgrades so jeff green you mentioned lineups, and I feel like I can answer this question about Jeff Green with lineups. Jeff Green is a piece that you can insert into a small forward position, into a power forward position. It's not just for the sake of having a big body that's athletic, that can run up that run up and down the court and isn't a slug, isn't 40, isn't past his prime. It's just another option that we can throw out there. We can have lineups as long as Brooks finally decides to stagger our starters we can have lineups where wall and howard Ubre. that's like a defensive lineup you know insert troy brown insert sataransky insert i guess austin rivers if you want some ball handling but that that's so much depth defensively so many players that can switch and you know they're not going to get exposed because they're really really slow like jody meeks or Marcus Thornton, or any of those type of players that we've had in the past. Yeah, I just think with Jeff Green, hope that he shoots well from three, and he runs, and he rebounds, and he plays some defense. That's all we need from him. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me of just recently when Austin Rivers was brought over. You had, like, there was some backlash. Some people loved the move. Some people didn't like Some people hated the move. But... It's it's all about context and it's about it's about team context. So when you look at the Austin Rivers move, if you look at it like he's going to play 36 minutes a night, then yeah, it's an absolute disaster. It's it's a disaster. But if you look at him playing 15 to 18 minutes a night off the bench to spell Wall and Beal, he's a great value and a great trade. And when you look at this move to get Jeff Green, first of all, it's on a minimum deal. I don't even know, like, are you allowed to be upset at any minimum deal? You kind of get some value. First of all, not like we broke the bank and got Jeff Green on a terrible deal. We paid the minimum. It's the same rule set we need to look at with Jeff Green that we that we have looked at with Austin Rivers. He's not going to play heavy minutes. I think on the Cleveland Cavaliers, he was asked to do way too much because that roster was so god-awful. Again, testament to how insanely great... LeBron James is, that he somehow took that team to the finals. Jeff Green's not gonna he's not gonna play thirty minutes a night. At least he shouldn't. If he's if if that signing was him coming off the bench, if that's what he's gonna be doing in Washington, DC, is just playing fifteen, maybe twenty minutes per night at the three, four, and maybe sometimes small ball five, he's a great value. That was a really good signing. And you mentioned Mike Scott. I want to remind people, too, Mike Scott was almost out of the league before signing with the Wizards. 
he almost just wasn't signed by any team. The Wizards kind of took a flyer on him and took a chance on him, and he ended up playing insanely well with John Wall and coming off the bench, kind of you know spearheading that unit. If it weren't for this season, though, having that up year, he'd he'd probably be out of the league. Yep. So, I want to. I always want to like kind of keep things into perspective. Players go through ebbs and flows. They have injuries. They're, they have down years. They have up years. And when it comes to Jeff Green, he's kind of been all over the map. A lot of people early in his career thought he might turn into a superstar. And, of course, that's not what happened. But he's still very talented. He's still got a good tool set. He plays well out of the post. He runs in transition really well. He's a decent enough three-point shooter to open the floor up and be a threat and just catch wide-open passes from John Wall or Bradley Beal. I like the signing. I think he's a solid player coming off the bench. Again, to, to put an emphasis on that, coming off the bench. He is a good player. And it's a good signing. And this offseason has, to wrap up here, Arthur, it's been a bummer um, overall. I definitely think a lot of these moves don't necessarily move the needle a ton for me. But at the end of the day, when everything is said and done, and I'm not anyone who listened to the, the podcast, the, the last episode, you guys know how mad I am. You know how upset I am. I haven't really changed my opinion on that. I just, I'm not going to sit here and re-spew everything that I already said. At the end of the day, reality is reality. And right now, when you look at the roster, they've improved. I'm not giving Ernie credit because, again, it's just him kind of using, kind of forging something out of nothing because he left himself scraps to work with because he constantly is trying to clean up his own mistakes. So I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying like it was a great offseason for the Wizards, but the team has absolutely improved and gotten a lot better. I mean, what do you, to wrap up here, Arthur, what do you think? Yeah, I I was, before today, I was incredibly upset and embarrassed for being a fan of this organization that nobody wants to come play for because there's an owner that doesn't care about the, the team. There's a GM that is horrible and shouldn't be here. And it appears we have players that can't go out of their way, out of their ego to recruit superstars. And... Today doesn't really change any of that. I would say it's almost like if you are preparing yourself to go on a date. If you're a guy <laughs> or if you're a guy or a gal and you're preparing to go on a date and you know, <laughs> Wizard, a Wizards Tinder, can you imagine? Yeah, that's just would swiping not end left well. and right, Andre Blotch, JaVale McGee. <laughs> yeah, that, that that would not end well. But I would say it's like you're, go, you're preparing yourself for a date. You're a baller. You can go to, you know, Gucci or whatever, get the best fit. You can go to Flight Club New York and get the best shoes in the game and go to your date and really show out. Or you can do what Ernie does and go to TJ Maxx and occasionally find a Ralph Lauren really nice polo that should cost you 120 bucks on clearance for 20 bucks whoa 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 don't you don't you dare 
sit here, Arthur, and try to insult TJ Maxx. No, man, I'm not. I'm a get, TJ Maxx guy. How get, do you think I know that polo was 20 bucks? Get all my my entire my entire wardrobe. Nah, dude, <laughs> dude, I, I love TJ Maxx. I'm just saying this is what Ernie does. <laughs> the the Warriors are the ones that go straight to Flight Club New York to get the $300 Jordans. Ernie Grunfeld goes to the Nike outlet in Potomac, in Potomac Mills Woodbridge and finds like a nice pair of Jordans at the Nike outlet for like 60 bucks and says, you know what? These are just as good as the $300 ones, but here we are. I got it for a bargain. Mm-hmm. So our signings, our moves are bargain moves. The only thing now, obviously this is not the best situation, but the only thing now that we can hope is that Kelly Oubre is in the gym really zoned in on improving himself. Yeah, man. That Bradley Beal is out somewhere, hopefully not worrying too much about his kid and focusing (laughs) on evolving his game. And that John Wall is not putting himself into overdrive with, you know, becoming like this super like in shape dude, but instead maybe just learning how to treat his body. So he can come in healthy. Yeah. And then finally, Otto Porter assuming a bigger role, whether that means somebody slapped him and he forgot that he's this super quiet, like, I'm just going to stand in the corner here and get my five shots. And that Scott Brooks ultimately looks at this roster and finally decides, you know what? I need to play around with some pieces. He hinted at that all season and we never saw it. But now you have a team with pieces not not the best name brand items that you can have but there's definitely talent so experiment try something guys thank you for checking out the locked on wizard show follow us on twitter it's at locked on wizards you can find my co-host arthur renault at district mamba on twitter uh, becca's not with us for this episode you can find her at becca mvp and of course, you can find me at the real Ian underscore E. It's been a been an okay day today. After I lost my damn mind yesterday, <laughs> so thanks for checking out the show, guys. We'll see you next time. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.